everybody. So we took a little bit of a New Year's break. We did, an unexpected New Year's an break. An unexpected New Year's break. And it kind of ties into today's episode. Yeah, Caleb, would you like to explain why we had to take a New Year's break? So this is the third time recording this episode. Yep. First due to bat-related incidences. Yeah, we've uh, mentioned it a couple times, but we shoot in a very haunted space. Because uh, it's appropriate for the yeah. podcast. <laughs> it also comes with the stuff you'd expect, like the occasional pile of dead animals or a bat infestation. So, so uh, first time, we had a bat... For some reason, the bite bat somehow wiped the camera. Yeah, yeah. We shot it a second time. That second time, the camera and the computer we edit on. Yeah, the first one was the Mac, or the first one was the bat. The second one was the Mac. And, and third time's a charm, so welcome back. Yeah, we're here. I uh, hope everybody had a decent holiday. If you've heard our uh, year in review, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you haven't yet, please check it out. It's yeah. enjoyable. It's we all, yeah, we all needed a little catharsis over the new year. We rank last year, and then we... We uh, are looking forward to this year. Yeah, which I think everybody kind of is a little bit. I think, yeah, but everyone is. Today's show is absolutely, as you mentioned a little bit, uh, today's show is definitely about time and technology and the effect that one has on the other. And uh, looking at the future. And looking at the future, and sometimes looking at the past. And that's where I'm going to start today. Caleb, when I say the name John Titer to you, what comes to mind? I think a time traveler. Yep, that's because John Titer was the internet's most prolific alleged time traveler. Mm -hmm. uh, so anybody who listens to this show that's a stranger can probably figure this out. But anybody who knows me, self included obviously, knows that I love Coast to Coast AM. Yeah. Uh, I grew up listening to Art Bell with my dad in the garage. Uh, I have a Coast to Coast AM tattoo. Uh, the, the show is very much done in the spirit of that. And to get to do an episode about something that has... I mean, every weird thing has something to do with Coast to Coast. It's all Coast to Coast adjacent. Yeah, if you've this... ever seen an episode of Ancient Aliens, you have Art Bell to thank for that. Which Or blame. Which is fine <laughs> to do with art, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about John Titer to start this episode because John Titer showed up on the internet. For those of you who aren't Caleb and don't know, uh, John Titer was the internet's first like prolific time traveler, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He showed up um, on early um, Coast to Coast. Art Bell used to have a BBS for him. Um, and the first real posts of him by that name as a time traveler showed up. And what's interesting is his story. So John Titer allegedly was traveling from 2036 Back to, was it 1975? 1975. Yeah, and, I, and he was going after an IBM computer, a 5100. Um, and that's a, it was a, a Unix-based system, as all computers are, which we're going to get in today. Um, and he stopped in the year 2000 to talk to us on the internet to pick up a few belongings before the alleged uh, civil war that was coming. Which, the Civil War was, what, 2015? Yeah, the Civil War didn't happen, and John Titer... Well, I think that would be an easy way to be like, well, John Titer didn't happen. Although, Butterfly Effect tells us he also, that he just succeeded. He, he even <laughs> said that. He's like, me coming back here and telling you all this might make these events not happen. Yeah, uh, and those events are what we're talking about today. Because the thing that John Titer got sent back in time for... Beyond all of the Terminator, Skynet-style civil war that he spoke of, was his father, grandfather? Grandfather was allegedly yes. a developer on the IBM 5100 computer, and he was sent back in time to pick it up because he needed to debug computers in the future where that computer was archaic technology and no longer available. And that was because in 2038, there's an actual very real problem that's facing us that has to do with the way that 32-bit systems look at time mm -hmm. and how they react to it. And the easiest way to equate it is Y2K, but we'll get into exactly what the problem is, how Unix keeps time, because uh, this is a Unix-based problem. We can talk about what Unix is. Yep. Um, and some examples um, that, you know, we might know, Y2K probably being the most uh, relevant to what we're going to talk about today, but we'll explain a lot about it. Uh, Caleb, would you like to start by explaining what Unix is? So Unix uh, is a computer operating system. Yeah. And it's the computer. It's, yeah, it's the computer operating system. Everything is based off of Unix. And the development for Unix started in the 1970s at the Bell Labs Research. Yep. And... That date is an important thing in all of this. Yeah, January 1st. January 1st, 1971, second after midnight. Yep. 
that is a big thing, but Unix is essentially the building blob. Quickly, the reason that's a big thing is because it's the beginning of the yeah, epoch yeah. for Unix time. So where their notion of time begins, they set at the begin. The programmer set at January one second after January first, nineteen seventy. Yeah. So uh, every calendar has their beginning point, and in Unix, it just happens to be January first. One second after midnight, 1970, and that plays a big part into everything we're talking about yep, today. Absolutely. Uh, but Unix is essentially the building block for all electronics. Uh, doesn't matter if it's a graphing calculator, a cell phone, a vending machine. They all run on Unix. Yeah, Unix is the it's the backbone for all computers. So if you have a Mac, it runs an operating system, but in conjunction with Unix. In order to talk to the components that are inside of your computer, it uses that language. Pretty much every programming language has, relates back to Unix in one way or another. It has to. And the way Unix, much like any other operating system or anything, thinks in or does math in or anything like that is binary. Yep. Which is a string of ones and zeros. Yes. Yeah, so any of you that have ever heard of binary, that's mm -hmm. so that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about bits. Binary is that they're represented by on-off switches. That's what the one zero is, dash or hole. Uh, and that's how Unix works. That's if you've ever heard, if you've seen the Matrix, if you've seen binary, if you've that is Unix. That that base code that's below everything. That's Unix. And. Most operating systems found today are 32-bit, yeah. which means there are 32 either ones or zeros that tell that hold information. Yeah, with a Unix bit-based system, there has to there can't be any negative integers, so there can be because it has to physically be present. The way computers work is it's on or it's off. It's mm -hmm. it's a if you've ever uh, for those who might not know, there's a fun little fact: if you turn on electronic, there's a dash or a circle. That's binary. Yeah. That's on or off. That's what binary is. We just represent it with a one and a zero on the keyboard. And the power button, you're thinking, oh, well, what about power buttons? It's a zero with a with one a line through in it. it. Yeah. It's <laughs> then combined because it's one button instead of a top. Yeah. So in a 32-bit system, there's 32 slots for information. In this case, a one or a zero, and a circle or a slot. Uh, zero representative binary is yep. all zeros. And uh, all ones, I forget the final number... Yeah, all ones. Let me look it up. Yeah, look it up really quick. We'll just edit it in. Just start with, you know, the final number or whatever. What is it? So, with binary, uh, all zeros is zero. Yeah. And then all ones is 4,294,000,000. Nine hundred and sixty-seven thousand two hundred ninety-five. Now, what you're saying to yourself is that's a big number. Why is that relevant, Caleb? Well, that's relevant, <laughs> Caleb, because that's how many things it can count in that system. Yes, that is the max capacity it can count to. Like, say, seconds. Yes, time. Yep. <laughs> and uh, seconds is a big one because yep. time is laid out in binary in seconds. It goes into minutes and stuff like that as well, but it's mainly just seconds. And you might be thinking, well, 4.29 whatever billion seconds is a lot of seconds. Well, it's kind of what we're, yeah. we're talking about. It is, it is a lot of exactly seconds. exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, it is a lot of seconds. Yeah, so the, that number is the number of seconds that uh, a clock can count. And Unix, when it's using a binary system to count, it can only accumulate, right? Yep. So it, can, it has to start at zero, no negative numbers, which yep. means that for a, because of humans, because around the planet we have time zones because uh, the Earth isn't flat and it does the sun doesn't rotate around it all across the <laughs> earth <laughs> because uh the earth is flat and there's just a skybox light at the top no because we have time zones um it means that all computers have to be able to keep an independent sense of time yep. so they count down from when they were created and in this case they can all eventually count down to january 1st of 1970 but most of them will start wherever they are based on that point but it's going to be a clock counting back to that so no matter what every system has to count back to january 1st 1970 because that's when the time began and then it adds the number of seconds for where it is for where you set the clock and then it has a certain number of or a certain yeah number of spaces left in that time frame and in this case that time frame coming to an end is going to be a big deal it is and that's the big thing that we have to talk about but uh there are a couple of things with unix and binary that 
we need to understand before we talk about everything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, because it is definitely beyond just like the nuance of the hum, the like, the humanity side of the year twenty thirty. Oh yeah, the issue we're getting into today is the year twenty thirty eight issue. Um, I guess I don't need to say that. I'll just cut that out. We'll add it later. But yeah, so like, oh, fuck, pick me back up. So there are two things when it comes to binary that we need to understand before we talk about anything else in this episode. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's integer overflow yep. and integer underflow. Which is what happens when you don't have, when you've got too many or too few uh, integers for that 32-bit system. Yeah. So if you've got room for, let's just call it 32 integers, because that's what it is, realistically. Mm -hmm. um, if you have that space, what happens when you have 33? Or what happens if you have negative one? Exactly. Uh, that causes things to get a huge slew of problems. Yep. Yeah, as you'd expect, uh, brain goes boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> and the easiest one and the most, I guess, recent and tangible thing... Well, yeah, and it's... Uh, go ahead. It would be back in, I believe it was 2016 when this happened. Yep. A lot of iPhone users experienced uh, integer underflow. Yeah, and the thing that caused that was... Uh, updating from a 32-bit to a 64-bit system. Uh, the problem we'll get into today all revolves around 32-bit systems. 64-bit mm -hmm. systems definitely exist. Uh, most modern phones, uh, modern computers, like very, very modern. I mean, ex like in the last late model. Yes. Um, those are usually 64. And with the iPhone, so Apple's been on top of it for a decent amount of time. Um, but what was it? 2006 was the last 32-bit machine that they put out. It was a MacBook. It was a MacBook was the last 32-bit machine. But with the iPhone, the issue that they ran into is in trying to upgrade from 32 to 64-bit, which will be an issue for everything we talk about following this. There are gaps and there are issues because when you try to change the time value, um, you're going to run into compatibility issues immediately, whether it's with C+, whether it's with Python, it doesn't matter the language, you're mm -hmm. going to run into these issues. And the issue that they had, uh, which you're ex going to explain here in a second, was caused by them trying to fix, I mean, and eventually it was fixed, but this was a small burp uh, in a much larger problem. And it was them trying to upgrade iPhones from 32 to 64-bit, and yes. the date couldn't quite connect and it was causing people's phones to break, right? Yeah. So what happened um, was people were taking their iPhones and they were looking at the calendar and they thought it was interesting. Oh, I can only go back to January 1st, 1970, which not 1969, not nice, not nice. Uh, 1969 is nice. <laughs> so people being inquisitive and dumb kind of, yeah. They were like, well, I'm going to set my... F it's going to be funny because you can go in, you can set what time. Any person that's played a mobile game where you have to like, wait for stuff. Or Animal Crossing. Or Animal Crossing. <laughs> time jumpers where yep. it's like, oh, well, you have to wait 12 hours to do this. You, you know you can go into your system. You can turn automatic time off. You can set your date and time. Well, like when I had a PlayStation 2, if you set the date to your birthday and you told it what day your birthday was, it would say happy birthday. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, or if you played the Arkham games, Calendar Man in the Basement, you could set your system's time to certain holidays and he'd give you different dialogue options. But anyways, <laughs> uh, people were setting their phones back to January 1st, 1970, which wasn't a problem. That was perfectly fine. The problem was every other app. Because, like we said, there's no negative. So if they set it to one second past midnight, uh, January 1st, 1970, when like the phone app had to try to figure out voicemails or your text message app had to try to figure out, oh, my friend sent me a text message 26 minutes ago. Well, it was, in, it was trying to go back farther than the phone could process because it was saying it was, I guess, December 31st, at 11.30, yeah. 1969, which the phone couldn't comprehend. Yeah, so that's that's an integer underflow problem. That's an integer underflow problem. It was trying to process information in bits of time that to that phone didn't exist. Because 1969 in these terms would have to be epoch minus one. Yes. That's how it keeps time. That's, as we mentioned, as it accumulates over time, as it builds time, it would also need to subtract. And because it physically can't, when you say it's 1969, it goes, oh, it can't be 1969, and your phone breaks. Yes, it would turn the phone off and 
may get to your phone not being able to turn back on. It is what we like to call bricked it. Yeah, it's a processor overflow. Yeah. And so it essentially, you know when you have too much stuff to do and you start thinking about it all and then you get a headache and have to lay down? That's what it made the phone do. Except it was like every day unthought that ever existed. Yes. And it it was trying to comprehend the universe, gave it the ultimate headache, and it laid down and died. Yeah. That's the best way to put it into human form. It lived you ever a try human to think life. about what God looks like? <laughs> <laughs> well, it broke my iPhone. So that's an inter- underflow problem. Yeah, well, there's a similar issue. I don't know if you remember to those, to go back to gaming, those, uh, which is going to come up and comes up constantly, obviously. Yeah. Uh, We're nerds. We get it. <laughs> so Gandhi in Civilization had that issue and that he was programmed over time to, his character was programmed to have less and less aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, but nobody, none of, nobody on the programming team factored in to what would happen if he had below zero because he was programmed to progressively get less, but on a time frame that if he started where he did, he would end up below zero. So the game does the exact same thing, has an integer underflow problem, and decides to revert all the way back to the bottom and work back up, and in doing so, makes him as aggressive as possible and to anybody who's played civilization for any period of time gandhi will declare war on you he will declare war and he'll that late in the game is when you have like nukes and stuff yeah and he'll nuke the world so gandhi will be the nicest person in the game unless you play too long in that case (laughs) he'll get real angry and just start bombing everyone. Yeah, and that's the same exact idea. It's, it's just an integer underflow problem. Yeah, the clock freaks out because it doesn't know it has set terms. Like, we love to time daylight savings time with things like that. You run into issues where humanity kind of likes to play with time. Where it's our greatest foe, right? Like, time yeah. is time is the enemy. Yeah. Every, every scientific discovery and stuff is trying to combat time yeah yeah how how anti-aging creams stem cell research to make people younger blood transfusions like we talked in what was that the second episode yeah yeah yeah. the old mice getting the blood of new mice and it like degenerating their already degenerated brains ponce de leon was looking for the fountain of youth fountain of youth yeah it's a everybody wants to live forever or at least we want to until you know, we have to. San Juniperno? Yeah, you so, know. I'll talk about that episode every time I get the chance. That is my favorite episode of Black Mirror. We're going to make it a drinking game. Every time he mentions it on the podcast, you have to drink. Unless you're straight edge, in which case, cool. <laughs> yeah. Or every time we mention a video game, you have to, I don't know, roll your eyes because I'm figuring that's what you're doing already. <laughs> probably. Anyway, so uh, the iPhone issue definitely is probably the most realistic example for everybody because a lot of people, people listening to this podcast, uh, had to deal with this issue. People who had iPhones, it was a regular thing. It could have been an issue for a lot of people, especially anybody who had any sort of like weird games, like you said, like any sort of apps that were irresponsible because, again, it's all about how the computer thinks about time. My favorite example of a date integer issue causing a lot of loss is the deep impact satellite. Yeah. Yeah. When NASA sent, for those of you that maybe don't know, in the early 2000s, NASA sent up this really cool satellite deep impact, like the name of the movie. And what it was going to do is it had like this, this like, it's like a space ladle. And it was to drop these loads into comets to pick up uh, mineral samples. So Mm -hmm. you can understand what comets were. Uh, what their the composition of comets were, but because they made the, the programmers, why is it? You know, I feel bad for NASA because every day I make typing mistakes. I write words incorrectly. We all have spell check on our phone. It takes one misplaced comma, like one one simple mistake to ruin something, and that's what happened with Deep Impact. Very similar issue, but this issue was a little closer to what happened with Y2K. But there was a date registry issue with its system. Uh, it failed to properly compute the system. It was a, it was an integer flow issue, and it caused the computer to lock up and lost contact with a three hundred and thirty million dollar satellite because the date was a little wrong. Yeah, the date was off, <laughs> and the satellite was like, I don't know what to do. I guess I'll just sorry. Don't know how that works. <laughs> well, yeah, essentially, it's like. I don't know what you're talking about, and turned itself off and drifted into space. <laughs> thousands and thousands and thousands of miles into space, and it's just, yeah. whatever, boss. <laughs> hey, uh, did you get those samples? I don't know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> just floated off into space. 
I sent him at three. It's three? <laughs> Shuts off. Yeah, so Deep Impact was my favorite example because it just shows that this isn't... I think when we're talking about the, the year 2038, uh, people obviously want to think about Y2K, which we'll get into next. But, yes. You know, it's... The iPhone and the satellite are a good example of how this is a very real thing. Yeah. it's. I think it's easy to sort of scoff at, and it's easy to be like, oh, well, that's not a big deal. Somebody's getting paid to fix that. And that's kind of true in first world countries. Um, but I don't know that it's going to be true all over the world. And problems like, like Deep Impact, us losing that satellite, big deal, extremely expensive, pretty embarrassing for NASA. <laughs> not another black eye that they really need. Um, but... Uh, at the end of the day, kind of an easy mistake to make. Yeah. And it's easy to not, it's to assume that technology will get fixed. I think we live in a world where we're fortunate enough that we have technology that comes along fast enough. I'm going to look at the stuff that we shoot on. Um, the consumer level electronics are incredible now. So the idea, I think, should be a little more relevant in our minds. Mm -hmm. You know, like... Uh, in 2000, here, we'll just dive into Y2K. Yep. So, we'll dive into Y2K here, change our backdrop. Go from the Matrix Boom, to Y2K. Boom, dive into Y2K. So, you guys like this infographic? Yeah, so Y2K is, uh, I think Y2K gets an unfair shake. I don't think people took it as seriously as they should have, or they don't now. They don't understand how seriously it really was taken. Yeah, it was very, like, now people are like, oh, yeah, Y2K, like, the clock strikes midnight and everything's going to explode. It's a privilege that you get to say that. Cause yeah, because like, it didn't happen. That's thousands and thousands and thousands of people worked for decades to make that not happen. The whole <laughs> the whole saying... Uh, it's, Y2K was a much bigger problem than people make it out to be, and it's because it was, a, it, was a, it was a death by a thousand blows. You know, it wasn't one huge catastrophe. It wasn't a comet hitting the planet. It wasn't a giant bomb. It wasn't nothing like that. It wasn't a big bad guy. It wasn't an army hiding behind a scary logo. It was a real problem that was going to affect everybody. It was kind of boring, and it was going to be a huge issue. Um, it largely got fixed, but stuff still happened. Yeah, and to kind of explain why people were so scared of it is, yeah, we talked about binary having 32 bits, but a lot of secondary systems, not Unix, kept time by only keeping track of the last two digits of the year. Yeah, I guess I should... Yeah, we should yeah. explain why Y2K was a problem. Yeah, so where the, the Unix issue we're talking about with 2038 is the full 32-bit system. Here, think about it as two bits, basically, because those were what were relevant here. We were keeping date in a two-bit system because for 100 years it hadn't been an issue. But it mm -hmm. was about to be a big issue, and not because the computer couldn't just... A computer, I think the immediate thought is, why can't a computer just display double zeros? Well, because it's keeping count. It's not just displaying an image. Yes. It's physically got to think that's when it is. So if you make it zeros with nothing before it, it's just, it doesn't understand. Computers didn't know that it was 1998. They thought it was the year 98. Mm -hmm. Well, they knew it was 1998, but they didn't change the 19. So they knew it was 1997, 98, 99. That was the first issue. People are like, well, when the clock strikes midnight, computers are just going to think oh, it's 1900 because we don't have the technology. That's going to start churning butter. <laughs> that was the first one. It was just taking note of the last two digits. Yeah. And they were afraid when it went to 99 to double zero that everything was going to think that it was 1900. That's why banks were freaking out mm -hmm. because bank computers kept track of the years that passed. And that's how they kept interest. Yeah, so, and it was also the first time there had been a big issue in computing. I mean, I guess that I know of. Like, mainstream enough for just weirdo enthusiasts to know. Yeah, and they were worried, like, oh, shit, when the clock strikes midnight, are people going to lose 100 years of interest? Yeah, yeah. Because it would switch back to 1900. The second thing, which, again, human error... People, uh, programmers misunderstood the Gregorian calendar yeah. when it came to leap years. So everyone knows that a leap year is every four years. But it's also stated that any year that are exactly divisible by 100 aren't leap years. I think this is a fair argument for those guys to get in, by the way. Yes. You know, like I could see arguing about this. So there's a rule that states that years that are exactly divisible by 100 aren't leap years. Yeah. 2000. 20 times 100. So it is divisible. 
but there's an exception to the rule that states any years divisible by 400 are leap years, thus making 2000 a leap year. Yeah. Which it was. Yeah. 2000 was a leap year. Yeah. Um, which 400 is weird. Divisible by four. No. Yeah. Well, yeah, four. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's another integer issue. But so those two combined made a lot of programs confused about the year 2000. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we're also talking, we're not talking about not to be unfair because they were sophisticated programs, but they're not nearly as sophisticated as they are now. And it weren't, we're talking about programs 20 years ago, we had significant, we had 20 fewer years of experience with any of these coding languages, which we still use. Yeah. C plus is still the base of most things. And that's something rest in peace, flash. Let's take a brief moment to say rest in peace, flash Adobe, you bastards. How dare you rest <sighs> flash games. What would we do without them? But yeah, uh, I would probably have higher grades in middle school. Yeah, is what we would do without flash games. Without a doubt, I would have I would have gotten suspended a lot faster. But that was the only place. The school was the only place that had a computer with the internet. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So with Y two K, there were a lot of systems that were saved and things that were preserved. But people were legitimately scared, and it wasn't just like doomsday preppers. Like my dad worked at a radio station. He's worked at radio my whole life, and they were legitimately concerned about it because. It's easy to be like, oh, it can just be fixed. Yeah, if you can afford it. What do mm -hmm. you mean? It could just be fixed. And it's not like it was an easy fix. It was the first time something like that had needed to be fixed. And like in our instance, we're talking about a medium-sized market radio station. This isn't a radio station in an enormous city. They don't, you know, like the IT fixes and stuff are not as readily available. That's when engineers still worked in the station. So it's like it was a, it was a different time with a different problem. And it was impressive that they got it as fixed as they did. Yeah. And we say people now are like, they roll their eyes at Y2K and they're like, nothing happened, which is false. I have a list of some things that happened. Yeah. Also, lest we forget, we'll probably talk about it in March because that'll be the anniversary. But Heaven's Gate was at least partially inspired by the fact that the Hale-Bopp Comet showed up right before Y2K. They were out of here because a lot of people thought the year 2000 was going to be a transformative time. More so even than the people this year thinking 2021 is going to be a transformative time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I compiled a list of some things that happened due to Y2K uh, in no order of interesting. Sure. But just I thought they were interesting. One way of which is kind of sad. Uh, in the UK, a risk assessment program at a hospital told 154 pregnant women that they were going to give birth to children with birth defects. Oh, yikes. Because hospitals run that. Like, yeah. hospitals have programs. They take your age and how long you're pregnant into consideration to say, like, this is the likeliness of, like, say your child having Down syndrome or sure. a birth defect or anything yeah. like that. And that plays into people's decisions. And yeah, 154 people were directly like emailed essentially like, hey, your child's going to have a birth defect, which wasn't the case. <laughs> so that's a big oops. Yeah, that's an oopsie. Um, but it was because Y2K caused a miscalculation in the mother's age, making it think that a lot of the mothers that were pregnant were a lot older than they were. They were like, making, you're 95 years old. You Congrats on being pregnant, but I'm concerned. Thus making it, like, say, your likeliness of a birth defect is exponentially yes, higher certain. than it actually is. <laughs> You're somehow 120 years old. Your baby's going to come out dusty. And, uh, let's see, a radiation monitoring equipment in Japan failed? Well, you know what it makes me think of? Not to interrupt too much. We'll get right back to the list. But you remember when the missile system in Hawaii went off a couple years mm -hmm. ago? And people were legitimately shitting a brick. And oh, like, yeah. Oh, cool. I'm going to die. This is it. When Pornhub announced that their activity went way, way up. Which is good to know that's what people will do at the end. Um, well, that's like there's the, the encompassed corpse at Pompeii. Yeah. That everyone jokes about because it's a dude like laying on a bed with his dick in his hands. <laughs> yeah. If I knew that I was going to die in 20 minutes, I'd probably jerk off. You don't want to get out erupted by Pompeii. <laughs> but, I'll uh, show you. Um, yeah, it's a... <laughs> it's, sorry, Mom. <laughs> yeah. But Y2K is a... Uh, there, were, you know, there were issues like that where 
it's easy to be like, well, that's not that big of a deal. Right. That part immediately is not that big of a deal. But what if, what if, as we've learned uh, this past year, it turns out that telling people to do a little thing can cause a lot of trouble. And I wonder if the hysteria that could have come following something like a notification like that, that can lead to something significantly worse. So when we're talking about this, we don't think that's the biggest thing, but you have to understand there is a very real threat of, a very real reaction to something that might not be very real that was caused by an alert system that's based on a date. Yeah, uh, which brings me to the next one. In a different place in Japan, <laughs> an alarm at a nuclear power plant went off two minutes after midnight. Yikes! Which, when we're talking about <laughs> anything nuclear... If that would have happened here... <laughs> oh, man. Anything close to midnight when it comes to Clinton nuclear... Clinton would have had his finger on that button. Boy, uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, look up seconds to midnight yeah. when it comes to nuclear. What are we at? Anyways, we're like, I don't know, 15 minutes to midnight or yeah, something like that. Something like that. It has to do with how close we are to nuclear holocaust, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some other ones, a bus ticket validation system. That's what the system. Iron Maiden song, Three Minutes to Midnight's about, everybody. Yeah. By the way, that's yeah. what that's about. Yeah. Uh, a bus ticket validation machine in two places in Australia failed to operate. That's what? not a huge one. But... Yeah, it's easy to say, but the, like, I don't know, the empathetic side of me is like, I bet somebody lost their job that day. Yeah. You know, I bet somebody, like, this seems stupid as shit, but it might have totally ruined somebody's life. They could have been on that bus, didn't validate their ticket. I know, I know what I'm doing right now, but it could have happened. Yeah. And that alone is worth the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 150 slot machines in Delaware stopped working. Oh, uh, man, that's, that's a bummer. It's a shame it didn't go the other way. They just it's work too all. much. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The U.S. Naval Observatory website, which is runs the master clock for the entire country, displayed the time as January 1st, 1900. Interesting. And let's see. There are some more uh, railway self-service tickets machines. Kept printing out tickets that said zero zero JNR zero zero for three months. <laughs> it's like when you're trying to print something out and you can't get it to go to the printer, and then the job finally shows up and it what you can't stop the print and yeah. it's like thirty sheets and you're just like unplugging it and you're trying to get the printer to turn off. Um, and let's see, a couple of like messaging processing systems for sure. like air forces and stuff around the world. So like. Not the most devastating problems, but the basis of what could have been much bigger problems. And again, to be clear, they weren't, they didn't avoid becoming much bigger problems for any reason other than a tremendous amount of effort by concerned professionals. Yeah. None of this was by luck. The stuff that happened happened because that's what was left to fix. You know, there were things that were allowed to kind of fall through the cracks. And we say, like, oh, it wasn't that big of a problem. Mm. Around the world, $300 billion was spent in preparation. Um, $134 billion of that was the U.S. And after Y2K, $13 billion in the U.S. was spent to fix it. And $308 billion around the world was spent to fix it. If it was that small of a problem, it sure was an expensive, very small problem. Yeah, so $300 billion on either side of Y2K... To fix Y2K. Yeah, does Why a small problem does not make. So $600 billion yep. to fix something that now we laugh at and they're like, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. Which is why we're going to talk about the much, much big problem. The much, much big problem. <laughs> it's a big problem. I talk like president. We said all that to talk, to set up the big problem of the day, which is the uh, year 2038 problem, also known as the Epocalypse, which I think is a great name. And it, that time period, um, January 17th, is it? Yeah, January 18th. Uh, January 19th. January 19th. At 3.14 in the morning. At 3.14 in the morning, at pi in the morning. Yeah, 3.14 in the morning. <laughs> uh, in 2038, Computers, all those seconds that we mentioned at the beginning, all that long billion number. So we're going to run out of them. Yes. Uh, and it's going to happen right then. Which means that that 32-bit <laughs> Unix time system is going to run out of space. And that's where we have an integer overload system. Earlier, we talked about what happens if you have 
uh, 0 to 30 and you ask for negative 1. Well, here's what happens when you have 33. Yes. So, an integer overflow problem... Is as big of a problem as you think it is. Yes, it's... <laughs> it's Y2K uh, times a million, essentially. Yeah, Year 2038 weird. has a bunch of different names. Y2038, Epocalypse, Y2K38, yeah. or... Uh, Unix Y2K. Yeah, none of them roll off the tongue well. Obviously, all designed by Unix designers. That's what yeah. they're all named by. Uh, the Epocalypse. I like that one. I think that, that one's one is the, the best. best one. But yeah, so we'll run out of time. And this will affect... It sounds like a big statement, I know. But this will affect every 32-bit system there is. Yes. Every single 32-bit system there is. Well, allow me to rephrase that. This will affect every single 32-bit system that keeps time. Yes, which is a lot more than you think. Yeah, because a lot of things need to. Like, anything that can be put on a timer uh, needs that. But we'll... So, what systems do we need to be worried about? What systems don't we need to be worried about? Well, immediately, I, I'm sure your thought is like, well, my computer is probably going to be fine, right? Yeah, it probably is. Because we've got... Maybe. Yeah, we've got 17 years to get there. Almost exactly 17 years to get there. Mm -hmm. uh, and... By then, yeah, in theory, our phones will probably be fine, and our computers will probably be fine, and hopefully our Neuralinks will all be 64-bit, if Daddy Elon makes it capable. Terry, our weed guy, Terry? Our weed, our weed guy, Terry. Um, if, you know, if those are all 64-bit, but there's a lot of what are referred to as embedded systems, and that's the issue. With Y2K, there are a lot of computers, but at the time, while it was definitely a Unix issue, it was also a, a, it was a Mac issue as well. And uh, a Windows issue. So it kind of affected everybody. This is much more of a Unix issue. Um, as yes. a matter of fact, MS-DOS actually doesn't use the same beginning date for its epoch. It has a similar time frame, obviously. But it actually starts uh, 10 years later. It and is, it goes a little yeah. later. It'll go till 2107. So MS-DOS, or Microsoft's base system, isn't quite as vulnerable. But Unix is. And there are so many things that run off of Unix-based, especially anything on Linux. But Unix-based systems that are embedded into, well, pretty much everything. Caleb has put together an incredibly depressing and impressive list of all of the embedded systems. So don't think quite as much about your TV your phone, stuff like that. Maybe if you have a brand new car, don't worry about that. But there are a lot of things you need to worry about. Caleb, why don't you tell them? Yeah, so the big issue is an, an integer overflow problem, meaning as soon as it gets past 314 on January 19th, 2038, these things will try to do the simplest thing and just turn off. Yep. As we saw with the iPhones. Yep. When we did the underflow, the overflow is just the same thing. Except Instead of just iPhones, we'll encounter problems with, bear with me here, <laughs> calculators, digital cameras, uh, the anti-brake system in your car, your car alarm, and the system that operates your yeah, engine. Your CDI. Uh, vending machines, elevators. Elevators are a good one. Uh, copiers, printers, GPS systems. I like printers. <laughs> network adapters so yeah. your router um pretty much anything that connects to the internet yeah i mean any embedded defibrillators uh yeah a lot of medical equipment so much medical equipment pretty much all medical equipment <laughs> pretty much all of it atms yep security systems uh any sensor if you have the little things that make sure your windows are closed those will stop cctv cctv Industrial robots, so the robots that put cars together in the factories, robots that paint, Roombas. Yeah. How funny is it? Finally. Finally, I'll defeat my Roomba. Most video game consoles, except the two best video game consoles, the yeah. N64 and the PlayStation 2. <laughs> will survive. They'll survive. Everything post-play, so every 64-bit system, but your 32-bit Genesis is, you better make sure that clock is not set, because it is going to, it'll break, it'll turn off, it'll brick. Let's see. I'm going to invest in uh, NESs and Sega <laughs> Super Systems before that. Oh, what was the Sega? What was it? The Genesis was 32-bit. Genesis and what was, was the first Sega system? What was it called? Uh, Dreamcast? Caleb. No, no, no. <laughs> no, we're going to go with that. Caleb thinks that Sega's first system was the Dreamcast, Brittany. Would you set him straight next time? <laughs> <laughs> I just said the first Sega one that came to mind. What was the first one? Well, it was just the Sega, but I think it was like it, it was like the Sega gaming system or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, what else do we have? HVAC systems. Yeah. HVAC AC systems. systems. Your fridge. 
All right, so let's go through some of these, right? Rather, like, okay, so starting at calculators. Now, the first thing I think TI-89, that sort of thing, right? Can th Those have got to be 32-bit, and those, those can't are 32 be updated. Bit. They can't be updated, but it also includes, like, just the shitty square plastic ones. I mean, that, your Casio uh, calculator watch isn't going to work anymore. Yeah, any watch. Digital yeah, watches, digital watches are going to stop going to work. Yeah. Well, how am I going to make pipe bombs now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, digital cameras, that's a really interesting one. Because, you know, like, the camera we shoot this on is a Sony, and it's a relatively new one. And you can put apps on it. It's, it's updatable. But... I think of so many cameras that I've had, there's going to be an entire chunk of digital cameras that we'll just never be able to use again. I have a old Panasonic Hi8, you know, like for shooting skate movies and shit. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that'll work afterwards because it keeps dates. Probably not. Yeah. That's, that's And the crazy thing is we could have a 64-bit camera, but if we have a lens that has auto zoom, yeah. that will stop working. I know. There's a, there's a few like auto zoom adapters for uh, vintage lenses that are really great to play with. And pretty much all those are going to run into this issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, ABS system and your pretty much anything. Yeah, like, let's talk about cars. Let's talk about cars. So one of my favorite uh, conspiracies from years ago, or what I alleged was a conspiracy, I actually called into Coast to Coast during the New Year's show to say I thought it was a conspiracy, was that cash for clunkers was a way for the Obama administration to uh, get all vehicles without CDI boxes off the road. Because it was a way to get carbureted vehicles, the older vehicles with worse emissions, which was the idea was to get worse Poorer running, lower emission vehicles off the road in place of better ones, which is actually a pretty noble pursuit, if that's really what they were doing. But my conspiracy theory contends that it was actually to get vehicles that have computers on the streets and ones that don't have computers off the streets. Um, but yeah, pretty much any one of those. Like, oh, there are so computers started going into cars in like the 1970s, realistically. Like, there were some, definitely Cadillac had some features before that, and so did some other people. But as we know, a CDI box, like I've programmed CDI boxes mm -hmm. before, and uh, like when you make it's called, there are a few different systems. The one I used is called Megasquirt, and when you do that, you can create the system, and even that was a 32 bit system, and I made that, you know. So yeah. we, I wonder if we'll run out of gasoline or computers first for cars. Well, you know, like, do you think that that 1989 Honda Accord, which we all know will make it to 2038. Oh yeah, that's never going to break. <laughs> I know like three people watching with that car. So So, do you do you think it'll run out of the ability to run on gas or do you think it's going to run out of the ability to think first? Ah, uh, probably gas, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. But the what I like to picture in my mind is it is three o'clock in the morning, January 19th you're driving home and the stoplight up the block stops working and you're like oh no i should probably stop <laughs> but you don't because your abs is also not working and then you're confused because your steering wheel locks up and then your car just dies and you get out your watch to see what time it is it's, dead. it's dead yeah well the thing that i think about too is transportation systems because you know when you move the lens from this issue away from our personal problems, when you get it away from our personal electronic devices, especially as first world individuals, the privilege that we have is that we can look at all this stuff and be like, oh, I could probably replace this. But in a lot of places, that's not going to be an option. And for many serious equipment, like, uh, you know, transportation equipment, medical equipment, which we'll get into, those things are hand-me-downs. In a lot of cases, military equipment, stuff like that, things that are incredibly expensive, developing nations or just poorer nations pay for those things as hand-me-downs from other richer nations. Mm -hmm. And all of the military software, what's ISIS going to do? Because every bit of military software they have is from Russia in the 80s, yeah. or us from the 90s. That's all going to die, you know? Or that one dude's truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, every Toyota Tundra is currently an ISIS vehicle. It's the best truck made. I get it. I get what they do. It's the only thing we agree on. Uh, Toyota Tundras. I own one, too. It does not have a mounted 50 cal gun in the back of it, but I do or, own one. Or some dude in North Dakota's lawnscaping business plastered on the side. I know. If you don't know what we're talking about, look up that article. Some dude donated his car to Goodwill. Yeah. And, like, Three months later, saw it in an ISIS video. Yeah, it showed up in one of their videos, and they didn't take the decal off. No, the it side. still had his business decal on the side. 
Um, the one that freaks me out. But what the about most, like trains? Subway trains. Trains are going to be an issue. Planes yeah. and automobiles. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Come um, handy. We need you. Well, because like planes. What was that? The the Boeing that seven forty seven Max or was it seven forty seven thirty seven seven seventy seven seven forty seven? Yeah. Yeah. The Max that was updated on floppy disks. Yeah. Still on runs three on three and a half inch floppy disks. Windows ninety eight and is updated on floppy disks. So imagine it. Three fourteen in the morning. All planes just drop out of the sky. Yeah, like, or or worse, I mean, not worse, but more plausible and terrible, every plane is grounded. Every plane. So, here, again, probably won't be as big of an issue, but imagine, when I used to live overseas, imagine living in Thailand or in Vietnam or in a place that relies heavily on slightly outdated technology to keep the infrastructure moving. When this happens, it's going to be devastating. All these yeah. planes that get sold off elsewhere to be used aren't going to function any longer. And the only people who are going to have functioning planes are going to be the richest nations in the world. And that's scarier than any plane falling out of the sky. And I know my first, like, I just immediately had a thought when you thought of that and then realized that's also an issue. Like, oh, well, things can't be shipped via plane. Well, they can still be shipped via boat. Nope. nope. No, because that navigation is the same story. And a yeah. lot of the navigation systems on, again, the largest boats have decent navigation that can be updated because they're running them off of OS-based systems. But there are plenty that don't. And more importantly, there are smaller ships, smaller planes, smaller vehicles, smaller buses, buses, buses. Living in Asia, spending time in South America, places like that, buses are so common. They are how everybody gets around. They're how everybody gets around. And... I feel like it's easy to go to a place like Nepal or India and be like, this carbureted bus is so old and kind of, you know, like it's a little beat up or whatever. It's going to be really great then because it's going to be the only vehicle still running because yeah. there will, their more modern buses will have all kinds of issues. That's the thing. I honestly think that vehicles are one of the biggest ones to me because everybody has one. Well, right. Not everybody has one, but we've built a world that's structured around the necessity for one. Whether you sit at home and collect everything that comes to you or not, it's still going to come to you and it gets there somehow. And it's typically a vehicle mm -hmm. and it's going to be such a large issue if uh, what about the, you know, maybe that the 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 semi trucks themselves won't break down. But what about the refrigerators? Those refrigerators keep date. They keep time. And those are 32 bit embedded systems. Most walk ins cannot be updated you yeah. know like refrigeration equipment commercial equipment that sort of stuff that's not going to be updatable so it's going to affect a lot further than just oh my truck won't start and you're thinking oh well, this is in the future it's 17 years hey, it's only 17 years from yeah. now that's less we have less time between now and this happening than when y2k started getting spoken about i know don't get me wrong there are also people already working on this yes yeah, but yeah. there's a, a tremendous limit to how much you can do because with y2k it was dealing computers were significantly more superficial 20 years ago and they're going to be significantly less superficial even than they are now in 17 years we joke and we talk about Neuralink and we talk about that sort of stuff but our weed guy is probably really going to be able to put computers in our brains and that's a thing that was impossible when Y2K hit. Yeah. And I think the scope, not dissimilar from the pandemic that we're currently facing, I think the scope of that is very difficult for people to appropriately approach. Maybe it's us overreacting, but it just seems like it's such a large problem that may not immediately affect Canadians and Americans and uh, Brits and, you know, people in these first world countries. But in places like Australia and other shitholes around the... <laughs> no, uh, you're gonna run into pro you're gonna run into technological problems. Like you're gonna have issues that can't immediately be fixed and don't have the money or the support to be immediately fixed. Mm. And if we continue this like <sighs> type of diplomacy, you know, like no one's gonna reach out to help anybody. Well, yeah, we put the it, UN is not updating computers. We we put it in the scale of we said Y two K costs six six hundred billion dollars. That was. 20 years ago. Yep. When there and, weren't even billionaires. And a significantly smaller problem. Yeah. So imagine... And just to be clear, pre-smartphone. Yes. Pre-smartphone. People didn't have phones in their pockets. And your phone will be 64-bit in 17 years. Don't get me wrong. Some of them probably are. And some 32-bit systems can just be upgraded. But there will still be issues like we saw with the 1970 date with iPhones. That was an updating. And... 
that's one really that if anything it should just indicate to you how common computers are we have supercomputers in our pocket which means that we have paltry computers everywhere you can't go to an appliance store you can't walk through like a home depot or a lowe's without every refrigerator dryer washing machine screaming out to talk to you you got smart yeah. faucets you got all this stuff which means that you have dumb versions too and that stuff is what scares me because that's going to be as Americans or as Canadians, it's really easy to be like, well, we sit here and we collect all of our stuff and people bring it to us and we can afford it and it's all fine. That's really going to change if the people making your stuff can't make it right now. Yeah. And we're, we saw that happen with the pandemic. You know, like when I used to live in China, one of the things that they do this time of year is uh, during Chinese New Year, everything shuts down for like a month. Well, that's how long it takes a ship to get across the sea and back. So what they do is they make sure to go out with that last shipment so they don't miss a beat. But what that means is that it gets really really gross for like a month because the factories are churning out as hard as they can to make sure they don't miss anything i i just wonder if it won't just be but that's the thing probably all the machines in that factory will shut down yeah well i mean a decent number of them will be updated but who are they going to sell the robots that they won't the machines that are in that factory aren't going to get updated they're going to get replaced and when they get replaced those robots are going to go somewhere and when they go somewhere then they're going to be a problem and where they're probably going to go is to another developing country that by then will be getting into automobiles to be clear china's only been manufacturing automobiles for about 10 years mm -hmm. they still barely have safety standards for them all of their growth is obviously very very new but what about places like that look at the the uae look at the the development in places like abu dhabi or uh dubai these places where 30 years ago it was a sand lot and now it's a technological mecca well that technological mecca is largely other than built on the back of slavery is built on the back of 32-bit electronics yeah and they're not gonna fix it it's just not gonna get fixed in time so what about the elevators in those buildings what about the elevators in not to go back to asia but i used to live in a really really tall apartment building because that's how every apartment building in the city i lived in was we're talking 40 50 stories mm -hmm. and the lift is kind of the only way. Some of them have stairs, but not all of them. None of them have fire escapes, and some of them just have lifts. But even if they don't, you're not going to... I lived on the 32nd floor at one point. I'm not doing that every day. Nobody's doing that every day. Yeah, no one's going to walk up. It's not the five-story walk-up I had in New York. It's a significant distance. It's 32 stories. So, you know, like, what if my lift's broken? I remember one day there was a fire in the building, and it was on a floor below me. And they evacuated us, but gave us the option to just stay. And I thought that was fascinating. And what if that lift would have been broken? You know, the number of people that would have had to go down all those flights of stairs, it would have worked, but it, it I'm just saying it could be tremendously problematic. Yeah. yeah. And those buildings, to be clear, don't have uh, smoke detectors in them. They don't have smoke detectors, and they don't have any sort of fire abatement. It's another one. Smoke detectors. Smoke detectors. Smoke detectors also keep time. Yeah. 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 Anything that keeps time and CO2. is a 32-bit system. Carbon monoxide detectors. Yeah, well, to go back to commercial equipment, not just commercial ki kitchen equipment or, you know, automobiles or whatever, but yeah, pretty much every sensor. You know, like modern sensors can are connected to 64-bit systems, but anything old, the O2 sensor in your car, which that one's going to be the dirtiest because O2 sensors make every car run like, crap uh, to those at home who don't know an o2 sensor is in your exhaust it's immediately in your exhaust manifold and it measures the amount of exhaust or oxygen and what it does is it'll regulate that sometimes it's on the intake there can be more than one anyway that's what controls the amount of oxygen flow in your car if that and that's a really common thing when you're like oh my car's running like crap and i don't understand what's wrong with it there shouldn't be anything wrong with it it's usually your o2 sensor shot well that o2 sensor is going to die yeah and your car just won't run it won't know how much fuel to have. The the <laughs> more that I think about things, the more like this one's dumb, but the every equipment at a fast food restaurant. Yeah, yeah. The fryers, the timers, like go to a McDonald's and everything in there is timed. You yeah. know? Like everything's in a drawer, everything's being heated, everything's hit, always being kept warm. You hit the nugget button and you drop the basket. Yeah. What's <laughs> you hit the nugget button and it's just gonna go, hmm. Uh, it's gonna go. I don't know. <laughs> it's gonna. Uh, they're gonna have an integer overflow on the sign, and it's just gonna say zero served. <laughs> that was the only other thing I wanted to go about is uh, security systems and security systems. This solar winds hack for those of you hopefully listening to this probably know about that, but if you haven't, look into it because there's been a incredibly substantial. It looks like a source code level uh, breach, security breach, with Orion. Uh, Orion is a security protocol that's made by a company called SolarWinds. SolarWinds sells Orion to the American government. The government uses it for pretty much everything. And 
it turns out it was become abundantly clear that from the majority of 2020 it was compromised mm-hmm. um, down to its source code which means that even fixing that is going to be a pretty big problem unemployment yeah yeah well, i mean this is going to lead to a lot of unemployment because it's going to lead to unemployment it's going to lead to underemployment oh i mean the unemployment systems oh yeah we well, saw that this year they're archaic as hell yeah and with y2k y2k this is very appropriate sirens uh y2k one of the few things it really did affect was unemployment systems for a lot of people and as hopefully um maybe those that weren't involved or were maybe forced into it this year uh if this is the first time you've had to rely on uh, unemployment or something like that, you probably now understand how devastating that might be. It's easy to be like, oh, well, the poor is let the likes be cured by the likes until you're waiting on that check. And then when you're waiting on that check, you're like, why is the system so broken? Why doesn't it function? Well, because you didn't take the time to care when other people needed the help. Yeah. Yeah. And unemployment systems are going to be racked. Uh, DMVs. I think about like small town DMVs. A DMV out in a holler in Tennessee is going to have a hard time keeping up. You know, like, some of those systems, a lot of those computer systems, I know a lot of government systems, most library systems still run on Vista. Some of them run on Windows 2000. Like, none of those things, that, barring school districts, you know? Like, a lot of school districts still use these things. It's it's, uh, it's going to be devastating. I think it's going to reset technology for a lot of people. Like, in America, it's been very the biggest issue with uh, technology distribution is getting it out into rural areas. You know, mm-hmm. getting internet into rural areas, getting computers out to rural areas to make sure that everybody's on the same <laughs> QAnon board. Uh, and you know, that's going to be significantly more difficult when those computers are no longer functioning, and when getting them to function is going to be tricky because of where they're located. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that I've gone through old computers and been amazed that they just turn back on. And there's nothing fundamentally wrong with them. They're just old, and humans are quick to be like, "You're old. How do you still work?" You know. Uh, but yeah, there's. I think there's a lot of technology. You know, when we watch sci-fi films, like in Star Wars. Star Wars is a good example because uh, the sort of Star Wars had that um, retcon during the prequels that there was actually this because CGI was better. We could make shiny, cool-looking ships. So those shiny, cool-looking ships instead were an indicator of the wealth on Coruscant. You know, it was like yeah. a, it was an indicator of a better time. And then with the rebellion, things fell apart. You, you can look at Cuba. You can see things like that, like all these beautiful buildings and all of this stuff right before the 1950s, and then things become economically significantly more difficult. Um, I what I'm hoping is that this is this leads to like Stargate type discovering old tech. You know, like the thousands of years, somebody's going to discover this old computer that doesn't work and they're not going to know how to get it to function. Yeah. And they're going to have to spend years in this museum developing a 32-bit system. I found this and I can't seem to figure out how it works and it's a Wii U. It's like a it's like a brain chip, but it appears to be in a metal box. Nintendo made this one. Does anybody know Nintendo? <laughs> it's a Nintendo Switch and then... Uh, Reggie comes out and he's like, yeah, and it's still $60, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Put that down. Is that smashed? You can't have that. Are you having fun with that? Are you having fun with that? Hey, you guys got a little wager going on this? Because if you do, I'm going to arrest you. Hey, I found this vintage game. Oh, man, I bet I can beat you in it. (laughs) He taps out of the shadows. No, you can't. (laughs) Yeah, somebody's going to be firing up an emulator to play Ultimate. And he's going to be like... Excuse me. <laughs> Head in a jar. <laughs> but yeah, no, so there's, you know, not to play too scaremongery, but there's there's a big problem coming. It's going to require a lot of help, and we wanted to talk about it today because none of us can really do much about it. I mean, hopefully people are listening to this that work in this and could, A, not only give us some extra insight, but also uh, maybe ease our minds about how bad this could be, but it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem that is going to be really expensive, and it's one that not... For every consumer that has these computers, you're not going to be able to fix it. You get a flat tire in your car, you can probably fix it. You know, there's certain things in your life you can fix. This is above most people's pay grade. Yeah. And that's going to be really fascinating. Yeah. I've changed a tire. I've changed my alternator. Don't know how to reprogram my engine. <laughs> yeah. De- I, I'll do you one better. I know how to reprogram my engine. Don't know how to write time code that will cohesively put it into a 64-bit future. I know how to make a mega squirt box work. I can make a turbo work on an engine that didn't used to have one, but I don't know how to go higher than that. And if you're at home going, oh, wow, that's a lot. This should be really scary to you <laughs> because it is. It's a scary problem, and it's a problem that you have to be educated to fix. It's a problem that's going to require, because of that, a lot of money. And it's going to be an interesting thing to watch for the next 17 years. And we're 
we're going to get to watch it in real time. We're going to get to keep track of how things are doing, how the progress is going. And we'll be able to kind of, I mean, I, if this show's still going in 20 years, we'll have us a little Deadpool going on our fancy 64-bit TV. <laughs> TVs, that's another one. And before we get out of here, that's another embedded system. So kiss your TV goodbye. Monitors, there's plenty of these embedded chips that you can't update you know i would say about it all of this is a real emotional roller coaster but roller coaster is probably this has all been a real <laughs> uh emotional cross-country skiing trip <laughs> don't need hills don't need a i wonder if yeah ski lifts ski lifts too ski anyway lift. we're just gonna sit here for the next three hours and talk about stuff that won't work in 17 years hopefully you guys will join us next week uh we're still giving away rush hour you can find us on twitter you can find us on patreon if you enjoyed the podcast please give us a like and a subscribe Subscribe, leave a comment, helps other people see us. Yeah. Or don't do any of that stuff if you want to keep it a secret. Yeah. Or show it to your friends, show it to your mom, show it to your dog. He probably won't get it. Yeah. Your mom probably won't either, but <laughs> pass it on if you like it. Don't yeah. pass it on if you don't. If you hate the show, be sure to tell everyone we're the Joe Rogan podcast because <laughs> no one should enjoy that show. We won't be taking a long ass week off this next time. You'll see us same bat time, same bat channel every Wednesday. You can find us on our YouTube channel. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us everywhere. Every Wednesday, new podcast. Uh, Happy New Year. Next week is going to be fun. We're talking about uh, mental health and the effect that music has on it. So enjoy yourselves, guys. Thank you. See ya.